to the Chirping the Cats podcast. David Dwork here with you once again, and uh, this time around, I've got something special for you. I thought it would be a cool idea to reach out to a bunch of different people in the Florida Panthers realm and, and ask them for their favorite Panthers memories. So you know how, like, when you make a list of people to invite to a party or something, you always expect that some of the people that you invite won't be able to make it? Well, when I came up with the idea for this podcast... I made a list of people who I thought would be great to talk to and that would provide like a varying unique perspectives and all that. Um, well, well, this just goes to show how truly amazing the people in, in the Panthers realm are because I got so many responses back from people who were not only saying yes, but excited to, to talk about their Panthers memories. So uh, that's why for, for this Panthers memories podcast, I've actually had to split it into three extended episodes uh, and I really want to get right to it because there's so many great stories to get through from former players, media members, broadcasters, even a couple of well-known super fans. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get to it. Off we go. All right. So kicking off this project of ours as we uh, listen to some what I hope to be some amazing Panthers memories from the team's almost 30 years of existence. Uh, the first person that we're going to hear from is somebody who has been covering the team literally since day one. He was at the expansion draft in Quebec City in 1993. He's been on the broadcast crew for the better part of two decades now, and God only knows how much he's seen. So Craig Minervini, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for taking a little time to uh, to talk to us today. Absolutely, David. Yeah, I've been a hockey guy since I was a little kid, uh, growing up in uh, Long Island and uh, on Long Island, and uh, Panther follower ever since I came down to South Florida. Well, considering, I, I think it's so cool that you were at the expansion draft because that's something that I don't think anybody else in South Florida has the distinction of being able to say. Um, so being that you've been following the team literally since like its birth, basically, uh, what favorite memories really stand out for you from all that time? That's the first one is going to Quebec City with my friend Rich Tucker. And we got a little side gig. We both loved hockey so much. We wanted to be there. No other television outlet was there from South Florida. We actually represented all the TV stations in Miami <laughs> and I uh, got to be at the draft where the names going up. And uh, that was very exciting. And obviously all the announcements before that uh, at Miami arena, when they announced, they brought the uniform out and the jerseys and you see the gloves they had, we even had the cat claws on the, on the fingers <laughs> and they, they did away with that, but it was, we were shooting go, are they going to have cat claws on the finger on their, on the glove, <laughs> on the Cooper glove. It would seem crazy. So from that excitement to, I was not at game one in Chicago uh, when they, when they tied that game, but uh, covered, I was at every playoff game. The great thing, I was at channel six WTVJ and uh, Joe Rose did the morning show and I did the late night news and Joe, so Joe couldn't travel and he wasn't much of a hockey guy at the time. And I was so, so when they went to the playoffs there in the 96 season uh, and I had just gotten there in 90, Five, I think, yeah. So it was a good time. I got there in the fall of 95, and by 96, they're in the playoffs. I was in West Palm prior. So I got to go to all the games. So we covered them very closely. I mean, all the stations did in Miami. So going to all those games was great. That must have been such an experience. I mean, what I've, you know, what I've heard about, I didn't get to go to any playoff games. I went to my first game that season, but I didn't get to go to any playoff games. And just how loud it was and with the rats and everything, I mean, it's something that's really never been matched in South Florida, from what I've been told. It's spectacular. Put hockey on the map. John Van Beesbrook put hockey on the map as the anchor of that team. I know you're going to talk to him on this series, and that's great. And uh, that, that season was, you know, that is the, that's the gold standard right now. And I think they got a chance to 
to top that because they didn't win the Stanley Cup. They got to the cup, but even that yeah. was a, it was incredible because it was only their, their third year in existence. So from all the time that you've been broadcasting, does anything stand out as just, you know, an awesome memory or an awesome, you know, circumstance that happened to you? Well, I mean, I have, I've got to go back. You know, I wasn't on the team broadcast at the time, but I got to go back to the 96 playoffs, just being, for example, in Pittsburgh when they won game seven and I was sitting next to Frank Fort and we're looking and shocked, you know, this incredible run and going to Philly and Boston, the playoff series there. Uh, and then also in 97, because I grew up a Ranger fan. So going back to, to the garden for the playoffs, and I thought the Panthers were going to win the series. They had a really good team the next year. Yeah. And uh, it looked like they were going to win the game. I think it was, they scored a goal. We're up two one in the last minute. I remember going down for the interviews might've been game three and they gave up a goal like 40 seconds to go or something. If I'm not and mistaken, so, there was an icing call that was quite controversial that led yeah, to the Rangers. There, yes, there was. And, and, and then there was, a, I think, the overtime goal. Tikkanen and hit one and hit the post or something, and they yeah. had to go back, and, and he scored. And then so the Rangers go up 2-1, and then Gretzky scores a hat trick yeah. in game four. That was, I mean, it wasn't fun for me because I became a Panther fan almost when I got down here, and my true test was that series in 1997 <laughs> – because game one was here in Miami, if I recall. And, I'm, and I yep. went to the game thinking, which way? I mean, I was such a Ranger fan since I was seven. Which way am I going to – where's my heart going to be? I, I don't know. And when the game started, it was – I'm telling you, Panthers all the way. I got to know the guys. It was – they were my team. And you couldn't follow the teams back then as well as you can today. No, the well, whole, I think you just said away. the combination of everything that they did in 96 and being there and having a front row seat for it. And then taking that and getting to know those guys, being it was such such a humble, nice group of guys that were doing something so amazing. I think that combination was enough to, to I guess, sway you in the way of the. Panthers. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And not only that, but you know, look, we all we do this for a living, right? So when hockey's important, uh, and I love the sport, it, it leads the newscast. It's it, it becomes more important that if they want you to, you know, do as much as you can on it. When you're not winning. It, it becomes low on the totem pole. And, and that goes for a lot of sports when you're not winning. So it, it gave, you know, it was what I was doing. You know, I got to go to all these games only because the team was great and it was important. So we would do a hit at the top of the show and then come back later in the show, that kind of thing. And so it was, and it was great for the sport because it gave a footing to hockey down here that was not there previously. Obviously only had a few years of existence. Yeah enough to keep it lasting until now if that's one thing that's kind of lasted um since is the tradition that started that year which is the throwing of the rats something that throughout the nhl you don't really see that many teams have something like that so for a team like the panthers to have that much success in 96 and for the fans to get so attached even through such dark times that have happened over the last couple of decades the rats have endured they, uh, they had they had rat cakes at Publix. that's how big it was <laughs> i mean it was unbelievable. You go in there and you see Panther stuff all over, but not affiliated with the team. They were so big. You would you could drive down to the Miami Arena for 20 miles in the playoffs and see Panther banners on. It was just unbelievable. And the, the audience is there. They lost some be because they haven't made. You got to make a playoff run. Yeah. And they're grabbing them back now. And the excitement of this team now, I think, is grabbing people back. And I think it's there. There's an untapped audience out there that's dying a roof for the. The Panthers, you can sense it in the last few years. The building's been buzzing and um, a little playoff run. And I, I think you're going to get, you could get back to where you were there in the late 90s. Yeah, you felt it in the building in that playoff series, uh, you know, a few months back against Tampa. 
obviously it didn't go the Panthers way, but the buzz in that building in game one, the way that everybody was going nuts for Spencer Knight in game, what was it, game five? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something there. And to see that team succeed and then to see how they've added pieces this summer, you know, the Sam Reinhardt's coming in, to Joe Thornton deciding he wants to chase a cup in South Florida. I mean, it feels like the stars are aligning in their favor. And they're, I mean, this is maybe the best chance they've ever had, uh, aside from making it to the final in 96, uh, the best team that they've constructed. Uh, they went in, remember, in 95, 96, unheralded. Nobody thought they would yeah. have to run. They, were, they, they almost made the playoffs right off the bat their first year. And I remember being very upset. I remember driving. I was doing a roller hockey international. I did this gig with ESPN. Uh, with uh, Jim Fox, who does the Kings games. I did them for four years. And I remember driving and just getting out of the car at the airport in Fort Lauderdale and hearing the Panthers fired Roger Nielsen. And I was like, what? I mean, this guy, Captain Video, did an unbelievable job the first three years. That's when they brought in Doug McClain. Uh, just a different style, opened it up a little bit. And, uh, and McClain is a, was a great character, very good with the media, uh, an excellent young coach at the time. Brian Murray brought him in. And, and obviously, you can't you can't question the decision when you go all the way to the Stanley cup final. So it was really a interesting thing, similar to when the, the Panthers or rather the Marlins brought in Jack McKeon and had a great run and actually won the world series. We're, we're not going to do it this time, but we are definitely going to talk about the RHI at some point. Uh, I was obsessed with RHI back in the day. Uh, so I, did I, you know I had I no idea. That, huh? I was the play by play guy. I, I can't, you didn't realize that yeah. no I, I right now like nobody can see it but my mind is exploding right now that is so oh, yeah cool. just look at it yeah i did it for four years it was great it was huh? uh i didn't do the one that had the the outdoor oh, the thing. beach hockey that was a gimmick i did the ones that were in nhl buildings we went to la quite a bit la blades and the anaheim bullfrogs were hot that was intense Bu- oh my god the buffalo stampede it gives me chills talking about it, believe it or not because they they had this guy john veccarelli they won the the what they called the murphy cup and they had about 14,000 there. You would have thought it was the Stanley Cup. It would, they were wow. nuts. And I also did the final game ever played in the, uh, or the last cup ever won in the Montreal form was the Murphy Cup because the San Jose Rhinos won this cup. Whatever year that was, you have to look it up, like 96. And it was the last cup. Wow. And like, and like the Stanley Cup was like 93 or whatever that yeah. year was. The Murphy Cup, they won in, it was the last cup ever won in the Montreal form. That's the so cool. Yvonne Cornwire's Roadrunners. <laughs> yeah. All That's an awesome dis- guys went into the league. They were all in on the league. Yeah. You no, know, I, that RHI was intense. I remember watching those games yeah. on TV like that. Like the beach hockey thing was fun, but the roller hockey was like, no, I just remember great. It was scary to me because that's what I was playing growing up. Before I played ice hockey, I right. played roller hockey. But we we're playing with like the ball, you know, the street hockey balls and stuff like right, that. Like right, those guys right. were playing with a puck that scared the crap oh, yeah. out of me as a goaltender. Oh yeah, yeah, and they were light, so they could fire them. I we oh, yeah. Foxy and I would go out in the rink, you know, in the morning skate and and skate around on these buildings. And yeah, it was uh, it was pretty intense. They had some good players in the league, and even like Brian Trache played in the league, and uh, uh-huh. a couple of NHL guys, uh, you know, played for a little bit. Dave Schultz was involved with the Philly team, and they played the Spectrum, and so I got to go to all these buildings. And it was summer, so it was only hockey on. So I got to do the the games with uh, with Foxy, like I said. For yeah, four he's still years. going strong out there in LA. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. I, I love that. With Mike Goldberg too, the guy who did the, did the UFC. And we we're able to to kind of pull this uh, this little side memory out without even realizing it. Like this is so cool that you got to do that. I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can look at they have old YouTube. If you do it, maybe you can pull a clip. 
old YouTube games where I'm doing the, I do the game. Oh, yeah, I, I actually, I we were innovative too. We had, we had cameras. I think we had cameras in the nets. I know Foxy did the, did half of the game. It was, they weren't half on the bench, did interviews during the game. We were very innovative. The television was great. I'm definitely yeah. gonna have to look that up. That's so cool. Like I, yep. I, I can't believe that you like, so I was listening to you call games before I even realized it was you. That's, <laughs> that's so cool. But Craig, thank you so much for taking a little time. Okay, yeah. Sharing this with us is really you cool. And I really appreciate it. No problem, David. It's fun. Okay. So joining me next is uh, it's a real treat for me because uh, my life is basically revolved around hockey for, you know, two, three decades now. And one of the main reasons that I fell in love with hockey was watching this guy play. Uh, joining me is uh, original Florida Panthers goaltender, John Van Beesbrook. Beezer, uh, thank you for joining me today, man. I really do appreciate it. Dave, good to be with you. Appreciate you having me on. Of course. Um, so the first question is um, favorite Panthers memory. Do you, does anything stand out? Well, I mean, the favorite Panthers memory, there was a lot of them. Um, obviously, one probably stands out is the day that the rat walked into the room. Yes. And it is my favorite memory because Scott Mellenby was as cold as ice and he just one time this rat into the wall of our, our dressing room and hence the the rat story became the rat trick by Scott himself. And it went on to um, folklore as people still throw the rats on the ice. Um, I'd love to see them. And I think it, it's had a, a long stay and it will continue on uh, for every Florida Panther fan. So I probably, that's my favorite story. Now you actually coined the phrase rat trick, right? Yeah, that was, wanted to poke some fun into it. Um, you know, I, it was an odd occurrence, but we were in good in good spirits after a win and just uh, Scott had a good game. And, you know, you think about the, the things in hockey, a Gordie Howe hat trick, um, things of that nature. So I just called it a rat trick where he had a couple goals and and uh, killed a rat. So um, he went on to have a really good season and a great stick and um, but I, I think mostly it was something that the fans could rally around. And, um, you know, we had a great relationship with the fans and in South Florida there. So hopefully they'll remember it for time to come. Well, you would think that it's going to you know, be everlasting at this point because it's been almost 30 years and something like that is so rare because you think like Detroit's got the octopus, um, but it's, you know, only a few teams even have something like that. So for a franchise like the Panthers to have something that's so well known at this point, they still throw rats after every game. Um, so it's pretty cool yeah. to be a part of that. Well, it's, it's, uh, I've said all along that it was a special relationship with the fans, <clears throat> excuse me, at that time, anytime you can have a special relationship with the fans, it's, um, it means more probably to the players because you don't get to meet everybody. You don't uh, have a way of saying thank you for spending your hard earned dollars coming to watch a team play and, and, most of all for the spirit, you know, the, um, the thing that probably ignites fans across the world is just the spirit that they have for their team. Um, it's legendary in obviously in soccer around the world, but in hockey to have that special relationship um, is something that we, I think today, some, you know, you, you, you speak to some of the past players and they'll always gravitate towards, you know, that story. I love it. Um, and kind of 
thinking in terms of career-wise, is there anything that stands out from your career that's like a favorite memory? Uh, you know, whether it was a pan- with the Panthers, with the Rangers, yep. or Team USA, you know, anything like that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of special memories when you play a, a long time out. You know, one of my favorite memories is playing in my first game uh, as an 18-year-old. Um, we were playing against the Colorado Rockies, who are now a baseball team. And uh, <laughs> it was against... I, uh, one of my heroes growing up was Chico Resch, who was in goal for uh, for the Colorado Rockies at the time. And, um, you know, it was an opportunity that came out of uh, nowhere, really, because um, I wasn't a first round pick. I wasn't destined for the NHL. I was an undersized guy who was playing junior hockey and then a bunch of injuries hit. So it was an unassuming time, but it, it proved to me and it proved, I think, to my teammates and the organization and the New York Rangers and original 16 that I could, that I could play in the NHL. So those are, that's probably my, you know, the one I remember the most. And then um, there are so many great memories along the way, but it's, again, you know, we didn't win the Stanley cup. We came close. Um, I never won the Stanley cup. So people ask me all the time, Hey, what was it like to win the Stanley cup? And I'm like, <laughs> I never won it. So I don't really know. But um, there are treasures, um, you know, there are games that are more meaningful than others, but um, usually they come in hard circumstances. So uh, with Florida, when we made a trip to the Stanley Cup final and we beat um, teams like Boston, Philly, and then Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh was full of superstar players and um, we were the unlikely team. And when, it, when you can be an unlikely team and you, uh, can achieve, um, you know, I, I think it, uh, it's something that means more to the players, maybe even at that point than the fans that you achieve something that everybody said you couldn't achieve. So I look to that year of 96 as probably the whole year was just special the way things unfolded. Um, so, you know, we got to the pinnacle and to the final, but, um, fell a little short, but we kind of won our own Stanley cup in a way. Yeah, I mean, that was such a special year, uh, just the way that you guys marched through the playoffs and beat, you know, as an underdog, Philly, and then Pittsburgh with all those superstars with Lemieux and Yager and Francis. Uh, I mean, I, I was only 13, and it's one of the more vivid memories that I have growing up, and I know it's something that's still really special to the fans down here. You can see how hard it is, though. I mean, I know Tampa, not far away, has won two, but you can see how hard it is in order to win. Um, and I think that um, you're a little bit more grateful when you do accomplish it. Florida will accomplish it. And uh, with this team, they're close. They're so close. And uh, they need to get some breaks along the way. Everybody knows that you need to get some, some breaks along the way. And they'll get theirs. They got a great coaching staff, a great team, great leadership on and off the ice. I think they're well on their way. No, it's it's got to happen, right? The last time they yeah. won a playoff series, you were in goal. Well, I think, I think that when you see the way Spencer Knight um, is coming along, the way that in each position, I think they're getting stronger. Um, they probably played Tampa the toughest as anybody. They're close, yeah. so close. And, um, you know, I think that their management team, it, it's, it, you know, they're doing the right things. And so when you do the right things, you pour the right things in, the good things come out. So you know, we, we only wish the best for them. 
Uh, amen to that. Uh, is one follow up on your on your uh, first career game? Was that at MSG or was it in Colorado? I was in Colorado at the old McNichols Arena, which is no longer. Yeah. So yep. that's where the the finals I'm, were, right? Ninety six. That's it. And um, I'm dating myself, but I <laughs> do that. But um, it was a special moment. Well, I appreciate you sharing it with me on, on the podcast today. And I really do appreciate your time, John. So thank you so yeah. much. And uh, I look forward to picking your brain in the not too distant future about uh, some of the USA prospects that the Panthers have picked up. Sure. We'll see you again. Thank you. All right, next up, we're going to talk to a, a voice that I imagine Panthers fans are fairly familiar with hearing if they've been to a game at the BB&T Center, as uh, now uh, popping on the pod is uh, the voice of the BB&T Center, the Panthers PA announcer, Andrew Ember. Andrew, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fine, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? Hey, man. Living the dream. Gotta love the podcasting, talking Panthers hockey, and this has been a real positive experience just because everybody's talking about their uh, their favorite Panthers memory. So I know you were a Panthers fan before you got the job as the PA announcer. So I'm not sure where you're going to go with this. I'm curious to hear what you have to say. It's it's an impossible question, man, because I could literally go all the way back to the early mid-90s and tell you, you know, I, I love the run because everybody loved the Stanley Cup run. I mean, it was just, you know, it's the foundation with, which so much was built on. Um, but I'm going to have to be a little selfish here and I'm going to have to keep it with something that does involve me. I know it's, uh, it's terrible to go that route, but no, you come got on, man. That's why we're doing this. You've got that right. perspective. You sit on the ice. Yes. At least I did up until last season's craziness, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, there, there's no doubt with this one, it's going to be when Yarmir Yager moved into second place all time in points. It was just, it was the perfect mix of something so iconic and so legendary happening in the building to someone who was playing on our team. Yarmir Yager is forever a Panther. Um, and to literally be the person who had to grab the mic and be like, ladies and gentlemen, moving into second place in NHL history and points and being in that moment, being even just the smallest part of that moment, and then if you actually take a look back at that famous picture of him checking out the silver stick with Randy Moeller, I'm actually, you know, in the background there applauding and standing for him and stuff like that. So it was just like this perfect mix of just an unforgettable piece of NHL history that I got to be like the tiniest 1% like a part of and stuff. So yeah, I got to be honest and be a little selfish and go with that as my top moment. It is pretty cool though. I mean, as you said, it was history and, and, when Yager came to the Panthers, he just kind of got to see it building. It felt like at one point, almost every other night, there was another milestone that he was hitting, but uh, that was the big one. That was, that was the one that everybody was just kind of waiting for it to happen. You knew it was going to happen because Yager was amazing. I think he's still putting up points somewhere in the Czech Republic right now. Um, so it's cool that you got to be involved in that. And I do believe that picture is hanging up in the press box when you walk in. Pretty sure that's the Randy Muller picture. So I'm going to have to look for you in it. Uh, I guess when the season rolls around that tiny that the little ant on the bottom, right? I think that one's me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that before I let you go. Maybe, maybe a little peek behind the curtain here. If you're willing to divulge, there was an only one real new Panthers player this season that that's getting a lot of attention. Uh, the Panthers traded for Sam Reinhardt, as we all know, have you thought at all about how his name is going to sound when you're calling it at the arena this season? So I have definitely started the thought process. I have not 
uh, workshopped it yet. There's going to be a time probably about eh, maybe in early September when, when we're a few weeks away from hitting the preseason where I start to kind of do my, I used to say to people, some people sing in the shower, I announce in the shower sometimes. So <laughs> that's when I go and I workshop some of these names, which part should I draw out? Is there anything fun I can do with this? But yeah, there's, there's some plans in the works, my friend. All right. Uh, we'll definitely be looking forward to that. Hopefully hearing it a lot uh, in the, in the years to come. So Andrew, <laughs> thanks again. I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you as always, brother. All right. So the next person we're talking to uh, as we continue uh, cycling through all these amazing Panthers memories is somebody who's been a part of the Panthers organization for a very long time. Uh, Randy Moeller, broadcaster, former player, uh, jack of all trades. Randy, <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, for being a part of this, man. Oh, no problem. Yeah, glad to be aboard. Yeah, uh, the longest tenured employee. That's a, a Panther, that's for sure. Been here uh, the longest out of everyone. So I've seen a lot. There's been a lot of ups and downs. That's for sure, Dave. Well, there have. Uh, today, we're focusing on the ups, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what your favorite memory might be, but I'm assuming it might be a positive one. But from all of your years that you've been around here, is there anything that really stands out as your favorite? There's there's a few. There's a few. Um uh, memories uh, looking back on my career with the Panthers. Uh, you always remember your first broadcast. Uh, I worked on radio with Chris Moore, the original uh, radio voice of the Florida Panthers. We were broadcasting in the stands at the old Miami arena with fans hanging all over right beside you, right behind you. That was a special time. And, and that Miami arena was, uh, was so cool to broadcast in. Just unfortunately, the day that they opened up that Miami arena was obsolete. There was no press boxes. There was, it just, uh, yeah. Um, so I remember that. That was a great memory. Um, also, the that first year that I started broadcasting was the year after they went to the finals. And they started the season 8-0-4 and the first 12 games. And what a magical ride that was. They were off to a great start. And Robbie Niedemeyer and Scott Mellenby and Ed Jovanovski leading the way. That was fun. And they were such characters and um, great uh, communicators, you know, with us in the media at that time and be able to get inside of what they're, what they're thinking and the success that they had the year before and how they got off to a great start. Number two, I think, was the arrival of the Russian rocket, Pavel Burry. That was a special time, David. Um, he came in, jumped onto the ice. Remember, he had not played in Vancouver. Uh, he sat out and forced the, the trade to Florida. And he hit the ice, and I think, what did he have, like seven goals in the first three games or something? Yeah. He had a hat trick his second game, and and that was the, the start of the Russian rocket down here. And I remember on the television broadcast, they had actually, they had a rocket cam. And <laughs> a, they had one camera dedicated, and all they would do was just fall around Pavel Burry. So that was, and of course, back-to-back, -back, what he had, back-to-back uh, -back 59 goals, I think. Uh, yeah, it was like 58 and 59, year, something 58, like that. Uh, the other year or whatever. Yeah. So that was a special time. Um, the All-Star game here in South Florida, the first one, right after the the building, a couple of years after the building had opened up, that was a special time and we when we held the um, the All-Star game. Ole Jokinen and um, somebody yes. else, they, uh, they shared the the uh, MVP of that game and that. So 
that was a special time. Um, I think the first time that, that I was between the benches broadcasting on television, oh, yeah. to be able to be that close, David, down there, it's surreal. You hear everything, you see everything, uh, the special time. And then uh, to top it off, my last one out um, was when Yarmer Yager, when he broke the milestone, uh, uh, past what it was past Mark Messier. Yeah, most second all time. Second all time. And then I was between the benches and you probably remember because you were there. I jumped over the boards and interviewed them live right after that when they stopped the game. That was a, and I have a photo. I have an actual photo here that they, they the, my kids uh, framed for me with me interviewing um, Yarmer Yager with the, with the ceremonial stick that was handed to him by uh, Derek McKenzie. So those, those are kind of the, the, the high points for me. Um, and uh, I hope that there's going to be a lot more high points uh, that this team continues to improve and go deep into the playoffs because that's where that's where the memories are really made when you have success on the ice yeah and I mean probably more now than any other time since you've been with the team that they're set up to do that uh pretty consistently uh this is probably the best that they've been constructed ever maybe so hopefully we're about to see uh a lot of good memories in the not too distant future in that part um, but I do want to go back, uh, if you'll indulge me, to your playing days, because as long as you've been with the Panthers, you played in the NHL for a couple of decades. You're a former first round pick and you got, I'm sure, some pretty crazy memories. I, I've caught some games on the NHL network where there was like crazy overtime games with Buffalo and that you've yeah. been a part of. So is there anything from your career that you really look oh, back on? Oh, boy. Finals? I always remember your first game and uh, your first goal and that. But so there's some of the epic uh, playoff series against the Montreal Canadiens when I was with the Quebec Nordiques, they there was such a rivalry there and we played them what three times in five years uh and uh we won twice they won once and and that the heartbreak when we lost and and the elation when we won and that those are special times um playing with the Stashney brothers playing with Dale Hunter Michelle Goulet uh I'll never forget that they were such elite players then I went to the Rangers um Playing in the center of the universe, right there, as far as uh, New York City, that was uh, that was special. And then to be able to play with Mark Messier, I played with Mark Messier with half a year, and uh, what a leader he was. And then I then I went on to Buffalo and had an opportunity to to, to play with uh, some incredible players and people. In that Pat Lafontaine, Dale Howardchuk, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, a lot Dominic of Hasek, right? Anderchuk, um, it, it went on. Uh, Dominic Hasek played with uh, Grant Fuhrer played with there, yeah. and and then and then starting or ending my career down here with Florida. And although David, I only had I only played uh, the first year they came down here was the lockout year, so we only played forty some games, and I was hurt most of those games, and I only ended up playing sixteen games for the Florida Panthers. And unfortunately, as I like to tell a funny story, I caught a very unfortunate disease and it was called old age and <laughs> I, I was forced to retire. But uh, being with this young organization and led by great, great leaders uh, uh, like Bill Torrey, Mr. Bill Torrey and, and some of the early executives here gave me an opportunity to get involved with the team and help grow the franchise and get into broadcasting and start the alumni association and, and work my way up and, and become an executive with the team. And that, that, um, that will always hold a, a special, uh, 
place in my heart as well. And um, I am not going anywhere. I'm going to retire as a Florida Panther. And, um, hopefully many more years, but as you and I know, David, hopefully uh, a lot more positives and a lot more success on the ice with the team. I really want to see this team have the sustained success and kind of model what Tampa Bay has done. They've built, we've got a great uh, foundation here, both on and off the ice and, and our commitment to the community and that. And the only thing that's missing right now, we've got a great structure and uh, ownership and management and coaching staff and, and that, that they have the success on the ice and hopefully then we can see those uh, long-term success effects um, from the success on the ice and, and that. I'm very positive that we're gonna do it and I can't wait. And, and if the, the good Lord would allow me to uh, grab that Stanley Cup and stand on the ice with that Stanley Cup, that would be uh, kind of a cherry on, on top of the Sunday, that's for sure. Well, this is an amazing uh, mental image right there. Just a, a picture, you and and every, you know, all the guys that have been here for so long on the ice at the beaten sunrise at the BB&T Center with the Stanley Cup. That's it's hard, hard to really imagine how cool that's that what is. that That's why we, that's why we get up in the morning. That's why we're, you know, we have the enthusiasm that I, I've always had that everybody knows that, uh, that's what I'm gunning for too. We're working off the ice to make sure that we are, are good uh, community citizens and, and help in the community and, and grow that part of the aspect and grow the game of hockey down here. And it can all be accelerated with the success on the ice that this team I believe is gonna have. Yeah, that's the gasoline on the fire that really you know would make anything take off. Yeah. Um, it's your positivity and your energy that is the last thing I'm gonna ask you about. It's because you've been, you were such an amazing broadcaster. You still are, I'm, but your play-by-play -play days, some some fun, spectacular calls. I remember all the movie quotes and everything. Are there any favorites that stick out? I, I mean, and I think like Nathan Horton's got a huge pair. Or who is your daddy and what does he do? I mean, they just yeah, go through my head. I, you know, I, I only, I tried to only do, uh, say them once as far as uh, the, the quotes that were given to me by Dan Lebetard and by the fans and his fans and stuff like that. Um, oh, there's some funny ones. The, 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 the funny ones I thought were because I am so non-hip and, <laughs> and, and, and I'm not the biggest rap fan and, and uh, rap music. Um, it, I have respect for it. It's just, it's just not my cup of tea and, and, and that so when they would get me to say some uh, uh, some lines from a rap song uh, and that that I had no idea what it was or or whatever that used to be pretty funny because that was uh, that that that's just not me or whatever and that but I I would be a good uh, sport about it and, and say it um, one of the other ones too was I I don't know if you remember when Britney Spears. Uh, was going through a lot of uh, personal issues and she cut off all her hair and and she went through a, lo a lot of issues and that and it looks like she's doing well now and that's good but yeah. there was a viral video that was going around where this young teenage boy or whatever you remember and and he's just in hysterics leave Britney alone and and that and so I let that one fly and that one got a lot of uh, play let me tell you a lot of plays. So anyways, that was a part, that was a part of my broadcasting career. I, I look back on it fondly. I love doing the TV now, but it was fun doing the radio. The unfortunate part though, David, you remember a lot of those years when I was doing play by play and radio, Oh, we, the team was not very good. 
we yeah. had some real down years and and that so so i i tried to make it interesting have some fun with it and and that and you know what just like the hall of famer uh mike lang one of my heroes in pittsburgh who just announced his retirement after what 46 47 years broadcasting the penguins game same thing he told me early in my career he spent 15 16 years where the penguins were not very good and uh but he was able to entertain the fans and keep them engaged or whatever and i, I tried to follow those those footsteps yeah, I mean, I think you succeeded because here we are talking about those down years, but we're talking about it with this fondness and with this happiness of uh, some of the joy that you brought those years. So I, I think you pulled it off pretty well. Um, and, and on that note, I'm going to say thank you so much for your time, Randy. I know it's a summer break right now, so I'm going to let you get back to doing whatever fun stuff you've got in store because right around the corner, it's going to be hockey season. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm excited about it, David. I know you are too. And that we're going to get right back at it and hopefully we can do it. Uh, and everybody can be healthy and safe and, and we can have a full season. So thanks for having me on. Amen, brother. I'll see you at the rink. Okay. Next on this awesome list that we're going through, uh, I'm going to talk to former Florida Panthers, organizational goaltender, professional goaltender, broadcaster, and uh, just all around good guy, Mike McKenna, who's been uh, kind enough to, to join me on this little adventure that we're taking. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for overstating my, uh, my career and my status in life. Very much appreciated. I love people pumping my tires beyond what they deserve. So I appreciate it, David. Well, that explains why you always answer my texts, I guess. Um... <laughs> I try to be good about that. I don't like being ignored. <laughs> so first off, you spent two years, two seasons in the Panthers organization. Uh, I believe you got to dress for a couple of games, but didn't actually yep. get to play. Um, yep. However, two pretty uh, fun seasons in the mid 2000s, mid 20 teens, I believe it was uh, 2015, 16 and 16, 17, uh, if memory serves. Uh, so are there any memories that stand out from your time with the team that, uh, that are your favorites? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you'd look at my career and the Florida Panthers doesn't come up on my hockey database. And the reason being, right. obviously, I never played minutes. You know, I played preseason games. I was in the organization for, you know, the better part of two seasons before I was traded off to Tampa and went to Syracuse. But when I was actually in Florida with the team, okay, not, not necessarily in Florida. Some of this gets mixed up in the actual location. But with the Florida the Panthers, Panthers umbrella. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of pretty, one iconic and one really funny thing happened while I was playing there. And, and some weird things happened too, right? Like the whole Tom Rowe takeover and the usurper was just weird in a lot of ways. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I think back, especially to both of them re revolving around, around Roberto Luongo and Yarmir Yager in some way, these two memories I have that are very distinct. And the first one is just a super cool moment. And it's when Yager moved into second all time in NHL scoring. And of all the games, I'm dressing that one at home in Florida. <laughs> you know, I think the one that I dress, and they stop the game, they give him a stick, they do the interview. And, you know, I look behind me and out comes Luongo, but he's wearing sandals. And I turn around to say hi to him. He's like, whoa, 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 watch your blades. Like he's afraid it's going to lop <laughs> off a toe. And so <laughs> I'm here, I am like 34 years old, trying not to cut off 39 year old future hall of famers toes behind me while we're watching Yager get this silver stick and give this kind of like off the wall speech in the middle of the game, um, which was just funny, but, but really, I mean, how cool, like 
right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I think that was the second all time in scoring. Yeah, he passed Mark Messier. You know, like to be in the building for that was just amazing. It's it's history. Um, you know, even in my broadcasting career this year, I got to see Patrick Marlowe break the record for the all time games played. And I just I think how lucky I've been in my career to kind of see some of these things firsthand. Yeah. So that was that was my first. The first one that immediately comes to mind really was just being in the room for that and how cool it was. Now, but is just that a yeah. Longo toe memory or a Yager memory? Like what, what you know, what gets I would memory? I would classify that as as Yager. And really both <laughs> of these are Yager. And 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 Lou is kind of like the he's like the subtweeter, the subplot to these in a lot of ways <laughs> that made it better because he's just like such a funny guy. You know, like the one time in like the one year in training camp, my nameplate was above Roberto's on the stall that we were sharing, like in the change room. And I remember looking at, it, and I think I took a picture of it that thinking, this is the only time my name will ever be above his <laughs> ever in any way, shape or form. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's just things that stick in your mind throughout a career. Um, so that was the first one. Uh, but the second one was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life in a locker room. And again, it's Yager. And it was the first game that I dressed for the Panthers and I'm backing up. It's in Winnipeg. And and maybe it was in the first, it was either, whatever it was, I think we went from Denver to Winnipeg in whatever roundabout fashion that was. And it's because Al Montoya was out. I'm backing up Luongo. And in Winnipeg, you sit in the corner as the backup. So you're kind of away from the team. And um, had actually had a cool moment during the game. I hadn't seen Dustin Bufflin since we were teammates in 2006 in Norfolk, Virginia. You know, and this turns out to be what, 2016 or 17, he skates by and winks at me and we had a laugh. It's just been like, you know, 15 years or something insane like that 13 years so so anyway though like we're not playing well we are playing very poorly and when i say that i mean the guys on the ice you know i'm doing whatever i can to cheer them on from the corner we come in the room sitting in the tunnel yeah i mean you're not even in the tunnel you're in a corner in winnipeg (laughs) so i'm doing i'm sitting there i'm taking the game in and turk comes in gerard gallant between periods and Man, he's mad at us. But in typical Turk fashion, it was like, I'm so disappointed in you guys. You could do better and let's go, right? And because we were down like three nothing. And I'm thinking like, I might get tossed into this game or two nothing, I think, because Lou was standing on his head and we were down two nothing. Well, Yager, he's sitting in there in the locker room. And of course, he's got his flowing locks and this huge body. And he has nothing on on top, like just bare skin on top his pants, like his hockey pants aren't on. So it's basically, you know, his, his undergear, his garter belt, his cup, his shin guards, his skates are off. And he walks across the locker room. And I don't think anything of it. I figure he's going to get a Gatorade or something, you know, or maybe go work on a stick. And in Winnipeg, you can kind of look from where the two goalies sit in the locker room down the hallway out to where you walk out. And there's a couple of coolers there. And Luongo and I are both seated right next to each other, you know, which is really cool. Cause like he was one of my heroes growing up and, you know, here we are teammates and, and he's super friendly. Right. So we're just kind of being normal teammates talking a little bit and Yonker goes by and we don't think anything of it within like three seconds. We hear this just guttural noise. And we both immediately look up and Yager is just, dripping wet like just water streaming down him 
he had walked over to one of the ice chest coolers, like a Gatorade cooler on the floor. And he's got no shirt on or anything. He dunked his head into the cooler, like straight up and down, dunks his head <laughs> like an ostrich in the ground and just pulls it straight up. Hair goes, goes flying, water everywhere. And he just walks out. And I'll never forget it because I looked over at Lou and I'm like, does, does he do that often? <laughs> Is that normal? He goes, I've never seen that in my life. And we, <laughs> and it's, it's like between the first and second period. And we're both like roaring, laughing. Like we're trying to like contain it. I put the Gatorade towel, like the backup towel. I put it over my face because <laughs> I was laughing so hard in a setting where you really shouldn't be laughing, oh my God. but we couldn't help it. It, it was it was so surreal that I'm watching Yaramir Yager, the Pittsburgh Penguins 91-92 Stanley Cup winner, however many years later, still racking up points in the national, dunking his head in an ice chest, making this noise, walking out, not saying a word. You know, it was completely unprompted. And did anybody um, react? Well, we were the only ones that really saw it because we could oh, see you down the right. hallway. So Luongo and I were like, you know, right in the field of vision. And we saw kind of like the, the aftermath of it. We didn't see the actual head dunk, but we saw the dripping wet. And, and I'm telling you, man, that left an impression because I, I, I love that. This might actually be the first time I've ever publicly told that story because uh, it's kind of like one of those footnote things, right? Like my time with the Panthers I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I dressed some games. I collected a paycheck and took some morning skates. But man, like Yaramir Yager, like, and first, like as a goalie, it's a thrill to skate with him. Like literally one of the greatest hockey players to ever play the game. So going out in practice and, you know, he would be on his own page in practice. He'd want to take shots and attack the net and do these crazy things. And I was just like, whatever, dude, I will, I will stand in the net and do anything <laughs> you want. Just go right ahead. Um, so yeah, I mean, Yarmir Yager as the headline and then, you know, the subplot, the, the second chapter, Roberto Luongo, both of those instances are, they're easily my favorite Florida Panther memories. That, that's nuts. It's awesome that Lou was kind of there as like, not the comic relief per se, but like to be there to like react with you in this odd oh, way. And it was so organic. You know, we both just <laughs> looked at each other like, what the, what was that? You know, like it was a big WTF moment. And there's things in life that you just can't help but laugh at and that was one of them and it kind of like oddly for us and maybe for others it kind of broke the ice in the locker room a little bit because we did end up playing better I can't remember if, I don't think we came back and won but we at least we made it a game <laughs> yeah you stayed you stayed in the in the chair I did I well yeah. I went back out to my backup chair in the corner <laughs> um moseyed on out while everybody else did their job on the ice but yeah man that was that was wild stuff it's funny because like with Yager, like you, you hear the later in his career that he was just, despite being the workhorse that he was, he like all these fun stories, like even to hear that you tell this, like as ridiculous as it sounds, it doesn't sound like anything like, oh, wow, that's crazy for Yager. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a Yager story. Oh, I don't think anything would ever surprise. I mean, you could <laughs> tell me virtually anything about him. I, <laughs> you know, it just, he's, he's just such a different guy. I, I don't know yeah. any other way to describe him. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. He's just, he's just different, you know, how he approaches the game, the way he'd work out in the locker room, uh, th his little 
you know, like training devices and contraptions and the way his skates were completely customized with, with the lacing pattern and the blade and all these different pieces that have been sewn on and taken off and his gloves. Like he was so particular, uh, sticks as well. Yeah, he did have very, he had goalie tendencies, right? (laughs) But he also came from that era of hockey player where their sticks didn't just come off a rack. Like nowadays, like most kids have a choice between three or four patterns that they kind of stick to. And back then you tinkered with everything. So that's obviously stuck with him. Um, and he keeps it alive in that regard, man, it just, I, I can't stop thinking about it now. Cause it was, it was absolutely surreal. You can still hear that noise that he made in your head, right? <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely guttural. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last thing that I want to ask you about before I let you go, um, and thank you again for doing this. Um, you talk about Yager and how cool it was f- to do that during your career. That was, you know, so far reaching. Um, just over the course of your career, is there any other fun, cool memories that stand out kind of like that one does that you're just think back and you're like, can't help but smile. Oh, I mean, there's just so many of them. Uh, And I, I kind of have to relate it back to the funny things that happen on the ice a lot of the time. And, um, you know, I, a lot of it goes to minor leagues. You know, we had a player that, you know, Mike Hoffman, this big, tough guy fought Steve McIntyre with his glove on, you know, I mean, like. (laughs) just wacky things that happened on the ice like that, that, that make you smile. I mean, you got a guy who had a broken thumb and somebody else in the team's telling him, yeah, just fight him with your glove on. And, and it actually happened. <laughs> that stuff should never happen. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, that's kind of where my mind veers was towards the, the absurd things. Yeah. Well, that's the best stuff you know? though. Like the stuff that nobody really finds out about the stuff that like the players enjoy amongst themselves. Yeah. And I just, I feel like I have so many of them that when you're, when you did it as long as I did and you're on the spot, it makes things almost difficult because the, you know, I can talk about the off ice stuff forever. I mean, us getting, you know, nearly going to jail dressed as the macho man, Randy Savage, to the bus <laughs> catching on fire to Ovechkin doing the hockey, you know, just all kinds of things. Um, but on ice stuff and in the locker room stuff, I mean, boy, it doesn't get any better than that. Like <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, you know, and for, for on the ice things, like, I, I think being a part of stuff that's special is always really cool. And yeah. that's where the Yager thing fits in. Like if you realize that you're on the ice and you're part of history for that. And I mean, even being in broadcasting and being, being there for Marlowe's record breaking game, that's stuff that you just always remember, um, on a personal level, you know, I, things always go to my first win and shutout. But if you want a really super awesome memory outside of those type of things, I won a game in Madison Square Garden and I'm an American kid, you know? Okay, that's one game in a, in a very mediocre career. That's, and I didn't even get credit for the win because I entered after the first period when Curtis McElhaney was injured. But to go on the ice in Madison Square Garden and shut down the Rangers and get off the ice with your father-in-law, your brother-in-law there, who did not expect you to play, who happened to be Rangers fans growing up, and to see <laughs> them look like they'd seen a ghost. That's one of my favorite hockey memories. It really is. And uh, again, it's kind of a sentimental thing. Um, but when you, don't, when you don't have a lot of time and games played, that stuff stands out pretty easily. Yeah. And, and that's one that will, that will always, always, always make me smile. 
standing there in the crease of the garden. Everybody oh, look at the ceiling. You after a win. Yeah, and, and just look at the ceiling. Look at. Yeah. I mean, it's iconic. It, it it's a building that you just can't replicate, right? Like you can walk into Chicago Stadium now, United, whatever United, whoever's got the branding rights. <laughs> it's not Chicago Stadium like the old one, right? You know, it's not Maple Leaf Gardens anymore. It's not the St. Louis Arena. This is still Madison Square Garden with that iconic structure and walking yeah. up the ramp. And it's the only one that's left, right? It is. And the when, island again, is gone now. And again, for an American, I think it carries even greater weight. I love it. That is that's perfect. So I hope you did. I hope I did you justice justice today. <laughs> Mike, you never disappoint. Whether it's on the podcast or on Twitter, uh, always always very entertaining and. Uh, a good dude. I love talking to you, man. And I really appreciate you taking a little time and uh, reliving some of these, these Panthers memories with us. Anytime, man. It just, it makes me happy that you asked me to, cause it's, it's a past part of my life, but man, what a cool ride it was. You see, even for the teams that I didn't do anything for, there's Amen. still a story. There's always a story. <laughs> I'm keeping your Panthers career alive. All right. This, that's what we're going to be doing. You may not have actually gotten onto the ice as a Panthers player, but it still happened and it's going to yeah. forever live it, at least with us. Good. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right, brother. Be well. <laughs> All right. All right. Now sitting with me to, uh, to recall some happiness from his past is, uh, is a voice that you'll recognize is uh, Florida Panthers radio play-by-play man, Doug Plagans. Doug, it's great to see you, man. Great to see you as well. Thanks for having me on and uh, exciting to talk about some, some big moments of the past. Yes. Well, that's why I'm excited to talk to you because I know even from before your Panthers career started, you've been in hockey for a while. You've had some great uh, experience and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But first and foremost, you've been with the Panthers for a while now. What is your favorite Panthers memory? Yeah, it's hard to believe this is going to be season seven for me with the Panthers coming up. And obviously through the last six seasons, I've had a chance to see some really cool stuff. We've been very fortunate to see some of the, you know, some of the big games and some of the players that we've had come through and some of the milestones that have taken place. And because of that, not trying to take the easy way out here, but I think anybody would tell you, I I don't think there's anybody out there that would say that choosing one is easy. There are far too many to choose from. I think starting with the 12 game win streak during the 15, 16 season. I think it, it's, it's not one moment, but it's one thing that yeah. took place. And that 12 game win streak, I'll just never forget the feeling around the team during that time. I mean, you just felt like going into every game one way or another, and they were doing it a lot of different yeah. ways, but no, one way or another, they were going to find a way to win the game. It was the, the fourth game of the win streak. There was a shootout goal that Alexander Barkov scored to secure a win against Vancouver. That was win number four on the 12 game win streak. And I just, that sticks out uh, a Yarmir Yager goal in Edmonton that extended the win streak very late in the win streak where he really didn't even get the shot off, but the puck, went in the net it was just that <laughs> that kind of thing when when you're on a win streak like yeah. that you, you the get just had a way of bouncing off yager and going in the net yeah you get the rolls <laughs> you get the bounces and that's a good segue right there because the you know the the big milestone when he moved into second place on the nhl's all-time point list with that uh, assist the puck bounced off of him and i remember 
when that took place, the the puck went off Yarmir Yager, and it was Alexander Barkov who ended up scoring after the puck went to him. And immediately when it took place, my broadcast partner, Billy Lindsay, who obviously from from years of experience battling in front of the net has this <laughs> unbelievable ability for knowing what the puck went off of. He can spot <laughs> it in the blink of an eye. And he was pointing at the roster sheet immediately to let me know that that puck did hit Yarmir Yager on the way in. And it was very tough to tell, but uh, he knew immediately. I think when that took place, Bill Lindsay and Yarmir Yager might've been the two people in the entire building who knew <laughs> that, that puck did indeed go off Yarmir Yager. And it was the milestone assist and the milestone point that had taken place. So I'm always going to remember that. And I know, I'm sorry, this is a long-winded response, but getting in mentioning Yarmir Yager, and also mentioning Roberto Luongo, I've told so many people over the years, we, we were so fortunate to have, you know, those two guys be a part of a Panthers history. And obviously Roberto Luongo, the first player to have his uh, number retired and his jersey raised to the rafters at the BB&T Center. But to see those two guys go about their business every single day and the preparation, uh, you know, that they put into it, whether it was a game day or a practice day, or it really didn't matter what the situation was, to see the way that they went about their business every day and prepared and the dedication that they had to, you know, not only staying at an elite level, but, you know, even at, after all they'd accomplished in the game, continuing to get, to try and get better every single day. Yeah. Um, Doing it, it was, at like their late thirties. <laughs> yeah. Not it, was, easy. It, was, it was something to see. There was, it's no wonder that those two players were able to be elite for as long as they were. And to be able, you see it from, you know, when you watch on TV and things like that, you see how good those players were. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the careers that they put together speak for themselves. But when you are able to get a behind the scenes look at it, it's no wonder they were able to stay elite for so long. And, uh, and it was just a pleasure to be able to see those two guys go about their business every day. And if I had to name another thing, if for me to be able to see, because when I got here, they were all the, when I named, you know, Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad, uh, you know, those players were already here when I arrived. But, uh, you know, as time's gone on, to see those players elevate to superstar status before yeah. our very eyes has been something to see. And I can tell you, going back to off of that a little bit, going back to my time in the American League and in the ECHL before that, to see a player score his first goal, it doesn't matter what the situation is and in the case of the ECHL and the AHL to see a player score his first professional goal at the NHL level to see a guy score his first NHL goal um, it's it's something that you know as a broadcaster to put it plain and simple that will never ever get old to see a guy realize a dream come true like that and to see a guy step on the ice for his first NHL game and because, uh, you know, Randy Moeller and I go to the draft every year, obviously this, uh, this year and last year, the drafts were virtual, but uh, prior to that, we'd gone to the draft every year and to see a player get picked, whether it's in the first round or the seventh round to see a player, you know, all the hard work and all the sacrifices and everything that his family has done for him along the way. And to see all that, you know, uh, come together and to see a player have his name called at the NHL draft. That's also something that is just, uh, 
it's no matter how many times I see it, it's just going to be so cool every single time to, uh, to be able to witness that. And uh, as a broadcaster, I just hope that when these big milestones happen, whether it's, whether it's Yarmir Yager moving into second place on the NHL's all-time points list or Roberto Luongo becoming, you know, uh, the, you know, any of the number of records he was hitting at the end. And I remember uh, Steve Goldstein and I, we had a list and he actually handed it over to me and we, we had a list of all the different milestones that Yager and Luongo were, were creeping up on because it seemed like every <laughs> night one of them was going to be hitting, yeah. hitting something there at, uh, at one point in time. But um, you know, whether it's milestones like that, uh, you know, Roberto Luongo climbing the all-time wins list and, and passing other, you know, Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers, um, you know, or a guy scoring his first National Hockey League goal as a broadcaster, I just hope to always be able to, to do those moments justice and, and capture them uh, the best way, way possible. Because like all the fans out there, I, I can't get enough of moments like that. And that's, that's why we do this. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of one like right now, cause I was going to ask you about your favorite calls. And as you're talking about how much you enjoy, which I, by the way, side note, that is really beautiful thing to hear. I love to hear it, that you're getting so much joy out of seeing these guys have their, you know, the biggest moments of their life that they put everything into. And so, you know, not just to hear that you're making the call, but you kind of understand the weight and the gravity that goes with it it's really, really cool to hear that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, we all love what we do and, but you know, the, the game, the games are about, the games are about these players and what they're accomplishing and they're the best athletes in the world. And I've always said, I just hope everybody enjoys uh, listening as much as I enjoy bringing the, bringing <laughs> the action to the people. So my goal is always just to make sure that we, we present these, uh, we present these moments, uh, you know, the best that we can and, and make sure that the magnitude of them is always felt by everybody out there because um, it's a, like I said, these are, these are special athletes and we're, we're, you know, privileged to be able to watch these guys do what they do every night. Yeah. Well, from, I mean, from one listener, one Panthers fan, I'm speaking for many, but you definitely do a, do a great job doing it justice. And just thinking back to some of the calls from just last season, whether it was the Ryan Lombard overtime call, which I probably heard, 10 times that night between your call and between Goldie's call. It was just going on and on and on in my head. Um, your call of Alexi Heponiemi's first NHL goal, which now I'm, I kind of have a little bit more understanding of why it was such a good call because his first NHL goal and overtime winning goal, yeah. uh, a lot behind that as well. Which, which proves again, it was, it was his first NHL goal. It was in overtime, but proof again, that you always have to be prepared for the moment and proof that every time a game is played, and every time you come out to the arena, you truly may see something that has either never happened before or that hasn't happened in a really long time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was only the fourth time in NHL history that a player had scored his first NHL goal in overtime in his NHL debut. Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. I mean, that sounds obscure enough it, to be correct. It doesn't happen very often. So oh. again, you, you gotta be, you gotta be prepared for these, these moments and, and proof again, that's, that's sports for you. Every time you yeah. watch a game, every time you're out at the arena, every time you go out to the stadium, the ballpark, you may see something no matter, even though there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of games played before in the past, you may see something that's never happened before. Yeah. I mean, just kind of to continue that thought. That's why the Panthers are lucky to have a coach like Joel Quenville who will put yep. a rookie playing maybe in 10 minutes in his NHL debut 
out in a three on three overtime when you're probably never going to see anybody, but a top six player. And then he goes out and does that. And now we're talking about it. So just the whole, the circle of hockey life right there. It's pretty amazing. Um, but just kind of use that as my, my poor segue. Um, are there, aside from the one we we're just talking about, are there any calls that really stand out to you when you think back to your career that are your favorites? There have been, there have been a lot. I was, I was lucky right out of the gate in the ECHL um, when I was in Idaho, my second season, our team had the best record in the, in the regular season and went to the Kelly cup final. And uh, so along the way, had a chance to, had a chance to call a lot of, you know, a lot of big games and, and uh, you know, see what the, see what the finals were like and everything like that uh, right out of the gate. And, um, you know, just going through the, for me, trying to think of how to, how to phrase it for me along the way, I just, I just all I, the first thing I think of is, you know, the, the people that I've been fortunate enough to be around along the way. I can't say enough about everybody that I've encountered in, in, in hockey. It truly is, you know, it, it truly is the, the best sport. The, the people that you encounter are just great. And, um, you know, a lot of people that I've had a chance to continue to, to be in touch with, uh, people that I've worked with early in my career, uh, you know, coaches that I worked with when I was in the minors who, who are now in the National Hockey League on, uh, on NHL coaching staffs. And uh, it's, a, it's a small world, but it's, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a special one. And some of the players that I had a chance to see, I mean, when I was in the American Hockey League, um, we were an Avalanche affiliate. So, I mean, I remember when Tyson Berry first arrived and to see, you know, to see him go through the American Hockey League and now turn into, you know, the, you know, a, a great player in the National yeah. Hockey League. You know, he's just, he's just one example, but, um, and, and even guys on other teams to see some of these players come through and go on to accomplish great things. It's just uh, so much of that is, is really special. And there's also again, as a broadcast, we talk so much about all the big time moments and the big time milestones, but uh, you got to be prepared for some, some lightheartedness to happen as well along the way. And one thing that sticks out, I remember I was calling a game in Rockford in the American hockey league. And, and I don't know you, I don't know why this is what's coming to mind now, but like <laughs> we were, I was doing out of town scores in the intermission. So like the least glamorous thing that's happening uh, during the course of the game. So I'm reading out of town scores and they're firing off the t-shirt cannon on the ice. And I glance over and there's a t-shirt coming my way, like right at me. In <laughs> and I, not to toot my horn here, I caught that t-shirt and did not miss a beat in the out of town scores. And I read an out of town score. I said, by the way, they were shooting t-shirts in the crowd. I just caught one and I just continued along with it. And uh, you, had that, to, you had to give the play by play of what was happening in the moment. Exactly. I, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I'd be leaving out key bits of information, but, uh, but yeah, that was, you have to, you have to be prepared for some of the zany stuff to happen along the way too. Oh, please tell me you still have that t-shirt. You know what? I don't think I do. If I, it, if, if memory serves, it wasn't an incredibly me if memory serves, it wasn't an incredibly memorable t-shirt, uh, but it was, it was fun. It made for a good story. And it's a story that I've uh, continued to tell. And yeah, a lot of the things that happen, uh, you know, across the, my time in the American hockey league and my time in the ECHL, uh, you just, you learn, you learn a lot. And, uh, you know, you, you learn about, uh, emergency backup goaltenders and you, you know, you learn about when, 
you know, a bunch of guys get called up and there's not enough time to find replacements for those guys. And you go into games a little undermanned at the minor league level. And you, you just see a lot of different things, uh, you know, at the AHL and ECHL levels. But um, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's been a career and a journey that I, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't trade for anything. And I can honestly say I've had a great relationship with every coach and player that I've encountered along the way. And to me, after, after the big moments and after the milestones, um, it's really the, the people that I think of that, uh, that I've been fortunate enough to come across. Put so well. And as one of those people that has come across your path, uh, it's been awesome, man. And just what, what I just keep thinking about is just how much joy you seem to take out of it, which makes me really happy because it's obviously a job that many people say is a dream job. And to hear of the, you know, the appreciation that you put into it, obviously you put in a lot of hard work, but to, to have an appreciation for kind of where you're sitting from where I'm sitting, I love to hear it. Yeah. You can't, uh, you, you truly can't take a day of it for granted. And I felt the same way in the ECHL felt the same way in the American hockey league and feel the same way at this point uh, with the Panthers. But um, you know, I was, given the opportunity from the Panthers in August, 2015, that's when they hired me. And it's been, it's been every bit the dream come true that I hoped it would be ever since. And it's been, like I said, it's something I wake up for thankful every single day. So um, I mentioned it earlier, but I just hope that everybody enjoys, uh, enjoys the broadcast as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. So it's uh, like I said, it's, it's uh, it's an honor every time you, every time you throw on the headset and get to do a broadcast, doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's the playoffs or if it's, uh, you know, a Wednesday night in January or a preseason game or whatever the case may be, uh, it's, it's an honor to be able to, to do that. And you, you, uh, you know, there's, you, you owe it to your listeners to make sure that you uh, provide the best, best presentation and description of every game that you can. I can't believe it's been seven years, Yeah, 2015. Flies by. That's nuts. I went back and did the count because I knew I was getting close, but game number 20 this year, I haven't even looked to see what date that is, but I tallied it up. Game number 20 this season will be my 1000th pro game. That's game. EC- ECHL, AHL, NHL combined. You see what I'm doing? I'm writing that down. It's uh, yeah. I, I, I knew I was going to be, I knew I was getting close. So right. I went and went and did the tally after last year. Thousandth pro game. Well, that's going to be, who are they playing? Where is it? Is it here? I actually, now that I mentioned, I haven't, I haven't even looked at that. I've, I've looked at a lot of different things on the schedule, but I haven't looked <laughs> to see what and where game number 20 is. All right. Well, so not to draw it out too much, we'll, we'll see what it is later, but hopefully it's down here. Or if I get, if I, I'm depending on what happens, I may be a little bit on the road this year, but I hope it's somewhere where I'm close by so I can at least shake your hand and congratulate you because that's pretty awesome. But well, thank, um, you. thank you in advance. But I won't take up any more of your time, sir. Thank you so much for doing this and for just sharing some of your great memories with us. Uh, I love to hear it. And uh, I look forward to seeing you coming up soon in the, in the press box or at our last season at Incredible Ice. Yeah. I, the, uh, I running down my head face. I, I can't wait to see everybody. And uh, thanks thanks for having me. And, um, you know, thanks to, thanks to all the folks who tune in every night. Uh, I know Billy and I talk about it a lot, but, uh, you know, and our whole crew up there doing the radio broadcast, but we, uh, you know, we couldn't do it without everybody out there tuned in and we just, uh, can't tell everybody enough how much we appreciate, uh, appreciate everybody listening. So thank you. Awesome. Well, Doug, thanks. We'll talk soon, my friend. Thank you. All right. So that's going to do it for part one of our three-part podcast on favorite Panthers memories. 
Keep an eye out for parts two and three, which will have more amazing stories from over the years from the people playing in, covering, and watching the games. Uh, I, I want to thank Craig Minervini, Andrew Ember, Doug Plagans, John Van Beesbrook, uh, Mike McKenna, and Randy Moeller for joining the pod and uh, sharing their awesome memories with us. Uh, and also a big thank you to everyone out there who uh, is listening and subscribing. Uh, please be sure to check out my Panthers coverage on Local10.com, or you can download the Local10 app as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at David Dwork for uh, daily coverage of the Cats. Until next time, please, everyone, take care, stay safe, be kind, and of course, stay cool. Stay cool.